0: The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making their way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Tully and Damien. Welcome back to another episode of IWP, the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast. We are your host. I'm Tally006. Over to my left, as always, is my brother Damien. How's it going this fine Canada Day, Independence Day weekend?
1: Yeah, I'm doing fantastic. And after this afternoon, um, this has been a really, really good Friday.
0: Yeah, it's been an awesome Friday. I uh, just want to wish everybody a happy Canada Day. Happy 4th of July for our American brothers and sisters down to the south. Uh, enjoy your weekends. Stay safe. Social distance. Wear your masks, even if you're vaccinated. Let's get over this.
1: And for our friends in Italy, let's all rejoice on the big win today.
0: Let's talk about it. What a It was a good game. It was a hard-fought game. I think a little bit harder fought than than maybe a lot. A lot of people are giving credit. You know, a lot of people are talking about Italy like dominated them. I don't. I didn't really see it that way. I think it was a very close match. Yeah,
1: I, I don't think there was any domination there. Uh, the the stats I think also prove that you know possession and and shots and whatnot were all pretty pretty close. Um, I was really thinking that. Italy was going to change their game here, come out really defensive, but they pushed it. So I think that's what wanted for them is they're just, they're putting the pressure on them.
0: It was a, it was a very fun, like last 20 minutes of that first half. It was an entertaining, that was the most entertaining bit. You know, the, the pressure coming from the Italians, them uh, scoring the goal early being disallowed and then them coming back and scoring two more which leads like almost immediately into the the uh, penalty uh, in the uh, Italian end. And uh, there was a lot. It wasn't even long. It was actually a very quick decision from VAR to award the penalty to Belgium and them scoring just before the half there. It was, uh, it was a wild 20, 20, 25 minutes.
1: Yeah. And then the second, I think the second half was kind of not as exciting, but then at the end with Belgium putting a push on... Italy sitting back a little bit more than usual. Um, I was sweating. I don't know about you.
0: Oh, I, I was getting worried. I mean, we had the the casters' curse as they were pretty much calling the game a wrap. At the, you know, there was still fifteen minutes left. We had to worry about the white jersey curse. Uh, for those who know, you know, <laughs> you know, there is a <laughs> there was a lot going against. the... Uh, Going against the Italians, but they they pulled it through and uh, they'll be facing Spain next week in the semifinals. Uh, Another uh, another great matchup, I, I guess you could say. I'm looking forward to to watching that one. But let's get right into the wrestling this week. We had an amazing dynamite this week the official end of the pandemic era we'll talk about it a little bit more as aew does kind of say goodbye to the pandemic era there is uh i mean we'll talk about it later we won't spoil anything but first let's uh let's quickly talk some impact wrestling Impact Wrestling this week was from uh, July first, twenty twenty one. Happy Canada Day once again. Uh the big the big news coming out in Impact was the the Team Dreamer versus Team Callus match. This was set last week. Uh, you know, with the firing of Callus and and you know that storyline that's been building up. So it ended up being Team Callus being of course Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Uh Team Dreamer was Sammy Callahan, the last we left it. But I guess throughout the the show, he he must have added Moose and and Sabian, uh, mini mocks as I like to call him. Although he he doesn't really have that hair anymore. He, he's not really mini mocks anymore. He must have been listening to the show and <laughs> I got to get rid of this hair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good match, solid match. I think, I think the match is kind of overshadowed by the actions of Moose here.
1: Absolutely. I, I think, I almost think like this was the whole point of all of this, was the whole moose thing. And I think it left us both sort of scratching our head, wondering where is this going? And why now we're so close to Islam anniversary? So uh, interesting, sort of leaves it as kind of leaves us guessing,
0: really. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, you know, for those of you who don't follow Impact, basically throughout this trios match, Moose is just not into it. He's kind of there to to come after Kenny, but not help his team at all. And it gets to a tipping point where he tags himself in on Sabian. They have a conversation in the middle of the ring. Sabian kind of pushes him and goes to the corner, but then Moose kind of takes you know offense to that tags Sabian back in, throws him into the ring, and then basically just leaves. We get some Callus and Tommy Dreamer stuff in the in the at the rampway. Sabian toe pays out and takes out Moose, uh, which basically gives Team Callus the upper hand. And uh, you know, one Magic Killer later, and and Team Callus is the winner. And yeah, it's just it, it it leaves such a question mark. Is this just the vehicle to set up? A Sabian versus Moose match at Slammiversary, is that something we really want to see? Is this, you know, buying into the you know the sto- the 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 shoot storylines of Moose doesn't really have a contract right now. You know, we don't know where he's going if he's resigned or not. I, I have had troubles finding news on that. So are they just playing into that and, and keeping us guessing? It's uh, it's it's interesting nonetheless.
1: Yeah, and and what's even kind of more weird about it is Moose really vol- volunteered himself for this um, on the segment last week where Sammy and Dreamer were that's right were talking about forming the team. He kind of says I'm in, yeah. yeah, but wasn't really asked. So yeah, interesting. I, I don't I don't think I like a Moose Sabin match I unless that's gonna be a pre-show or a first matchup on the <laughs> card uh, uh you know being that it's impacts big show right it doesn't make sense to me
0: yeah no I'm not like I'm not hyped for that. Uh, I'm not sure what uh, what the bookers are thinking there, but we'll see. Slam anniversary, of course, is two weeks away. July seventeenth, Saturday night. It is impacts you know WrestleMania weekend. It's their big show. It's the you know the the annual just extravaganza, and we've been seeing the teases, you know, for months now, you know. Of, you know, Mickey James and the Iconics and even though they're not called the Iconics anymore, Daniel Bryan, you know, who who else was in there? I can't even remember some of the big names.
1: Um, Some New Japan guys. Oh, um, yeah.
0: Okada and uh, Naito were in there. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm getting excited. I am getting excited for Slammiversary. I'm super pumped for the Kenny Omega, Sammy Callahan match. Absolutely ecstatic to see that. And you know some hopefully some awesome surprises, but uh, Moose and Sabian not not helping not helping the cause for me.
1: No, no, absolutely
0: not. All right, well uh, you know two more two more episodes before Slam anniversary. Uh, Impact does have some time to build up some more matches. They have an amazing roster right now. I you know I, I watched TNA back in the day, but I just feel like this is the strongest pure wrestling roster they've had ever so yeah
1: and if they end up picking up some of these guys that were like go by WWE I think that will really round it out and I, th- I think it'll be a show to contend with uh, the, the two big ones here
0: yeah for sure for sure speaking of the big ones let's get right into finally back to Wednesday night we Wednesday night dynamite live the return to live Wednesday night dynamite. Just everything feels good again.
1: It, it does. It has normalized Hey, uh, that uh, crowd reaction at the very beginning as as they show the crowd is just amazing.
0: Yeah, for sure. And let's just quickly overview the whole show here. This was an amazing return. To to Wednesdays, it was an just an amazing episode uh, from bell to bell. I was pumped watching this. All like there was really no low spots. Maybe maybe one or two, but they were still really good good segments. I I enjoyed this show so much.
1: Hey, we're not going to be crapping on the production truck this week. I don't
0: think (laughs) there were no mistakes from the production truck this week. (laughs) Yeah, right on. Maybe one. Maybe what? Well. Okay. They they kind of messed up the the stooge reveal in the first match, right off the bat. The camera guy wasn't uh, okay. in the right spot, but yeah, that's besides the point. <laughs> the show starts <laughs> off with uh, Jericho coming out for commentary. He was going to be joining the commentary desk for the entire show. Always fun to have Jericho on commentary. I think he kills it every time. And uh, out here promoting his new book as it's uh, hitting, I think it, it's still in pre-sale, but it's hitting, hitting open market here soon, the complete list of Jericho, 30 years of Jericho matches. Um, I mean, I'm interested to check it out. I, I really want to check this out.
1: An interesting concept if he was serious about what he was saying the book was, where it's essentially all of his matches. It's literally uh, a, a
0: list of every match he's ever had.
1: Yeah, that's insane.
0: Yeah, it, it, he's been working on it for like five years. He said, like he started gathering this information, and he had people, you know, researching to make sure everything was accurate and, and all all the matches were accounted for, kind of thing. So yeah, it's been a long time coming, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be neat to see. I think there's gonna be a lot of cool information in there. And he like he said he has top tens put together and and stuff like that. Lots of rare pictures, never before seen pictures. So I'm interested to to check it out. Let's talk about this first matchup of the night: Penta Alcera Miedo and Eddie Kingston taking on the Young Bucks. And this is a tag team eliminator match. If uh, if Penta and Eddie can win, they'll get a title shot next week on uh, on Road Rager. Uh, essentially for the for the belt. So there's a lot on the line here, but before we talk about the match, we got to talk about this entrance, that this new look of the Young Bucks. I mean, I'm shaving tonight.
1: Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm thinking we're going to start seeing now that they're going to be on the road, there's going to be a lot of people Doing the facial hair that way or doing the fake men, women, babies, like they're all right. going to be doing the bucks.
0: I just I mean, yeah, apparently it was Cutler's idea or at least they're they're Cutler out. But I mean, I think it's gold. It fits with the heel characters. Everybody's in on it nakazawa has got a got a mustache, Kenny's got a mustache. I don't know if Don can even grow a mustache, but I'm sure he's trying. Um I think the only two that didn't have were were Gallows and and Anderson as they I'm pretty sure they were still rocking full beards, but maybe they didn't get the memo yet and uh, we'll see them shaved up for uh, for Miami next week, but I I absolutely love it. I think it's great. It it looks they looked so cool and you know it's causing a reaction from the crowd good and bad you know i think it's great
1: i i mean it it reminds me of the cody tattoo right you you just do this one thing that changes your look and it's something to talk about like it will get old and they'll change it up i'm sure but um yeah it's a hot topic right now i'm sure there's a uh, 25 new Twitter accounts that are, uh, you know, Nick's mustache yeah. and Matt's <laughs> mustache. Mustache. So.
0: Mrs. Matt had had something to say about it. She wasn't too happy about it. She's not liking it.
1: Okay, but I don't know that there's too many chicks that dig the stash.
0: I, I mean mine upstairs is she's probably listening to us talk about me shaving the mustache she's already cussing it out. she, she does not want it
1: <laughs> all the razors are in the garbage
0: yeah for sure for sure all right let's talk about this match this was an absolutely insane tag team match uh had everything it, it this was this was very comparable and i mean last week when we talked about looking forward to this match could it stand up to moxley Kingston versus the Young Bucks and I think besides maybe the time limit and being on a weekly TV show as opposed to the pay-per-view at, at Double or Nothing this did everything it could to stand near it I think it was a very very strong uh, performance from these four Well, essentially there was like six
1: yeah I mean you know not having the name value of like a Moxley I like I thought Eddie Kingston killed it in this one I, I like I like his uh, his gimmick here, where he he gets beat on, but he doesn't feel it, and they even make reference to Hulk Hogan in this one, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, Yeah, no, this was a fantastic match, and and we also get a little bit of controversy in here.
0: Yeah, for sure. This about midway through the match, Penta, you know, he's firing up. He's doing this awesome comeback does basically a code red on Matt Jackson and a very, very close count. Very close. You know, Rick Knox followed through. The hand comes down to the mat. It's very, very close. The crowd was sure it was three. They were chanting it. That was three. That was three. I mean, we watched it back a couple times, but I I think he got his shoulder up. I think it's legit. It was that close, though. Yeah, and... and
1: I'm thinking this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to, to get even greasier at the storyline, you know, make it seem like Rick Knox is a part of this, you know, start passing him some money in the hall on, on BTE and all this kind of stuff. Just play right into it. It'd be, just be awesome.
0: We've seen that before too. That's not the first time that there was some kind of little mistake maybe from Knox and then they, they, you know, the young bucks kind of bring it up on BTE and kind of cover their tracks a little bit and make it look like it's legit kind of thing. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm totally expecting Knox to uh, have a mustache next week. His will probably oh. be fake though.
1: Yeah, that'd be <laughs>
0: fantastic. <to> <laughs> uh, the good brothers make an entrance about three quarters of the way through. It, it looks like the odds are stacked up against Penta and Eddie, but uh, a slight misstep from cutler as he tries to do the uh, the cooling spray in the face of penta he dodges out of the way just gets matt and and lays it into him he can't he can't stop it, i thought that was an awesome spot like i said this match had everything and and this was kind of a, a comedic section of the of the match but you know it was so great and then of course the elite hunter coming out to take care of cutler when we talk about the finish here, Penta and Eddie winning, I mean, essentially clean, it still doesn't really hurt the champions and the Young Bucks because it's their own teammates that caused them to lose. You know what I mean? So it does, I, I don't think this buries the Young Bucks at all. I think everything stays exactly the same way. And now we have a match set for Road Rager next week in Miami with something on the line, something even more on the line. And I think these four are going to come out and may and, and put on an even better show.
1: Yeah. It's totally well-deserved for Penta and Eddie here to, to get another, uh, match, a big show match on, on the young bucks. And, uh, I'm looking forward to it after this one.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, i it, um, it, you know, road rager, we, we can poke fun of the name all you want, but it is looking like a stacked, stacked card for the return to the road. So it's, uh, it's awesome. I can't wait for next week. We go backstage, uh, Christian cage and jungle boy have a little conversation, you know, Christian cage really gassing up jungle boy saying, you know, not only did you keep up with the, uh, with the champion, but you, you kind of took it to him a little bit and pushed on him. So that was really cool. There was an awkward spot with uh Luchasaurus. We don't even need to mention, but, uh, this cage, this Christian Cage, uh, Jungle Boy relationship is is it's growing, and I'm liking it. I wonder, the question I'm going to pose to you: It can Christian Cage, you know, with Jungle Boy talking more and kind of stepping out of the gimmick, if you will, can Christian Cage pull Jungle Boy out of Jurassic Express?
1: Wow, I never thought about it, but I. I think it's possible. I think it's possible. I think uh, it, it, since the pandemic started, Lucha, the Jurassic Express have kind of fizzled out a little bit. And um, I, I think it would actually benefit Luchasaurus to kind of go out on his own. And um, I it might be good for everybody, even Marco, to to go out on their own. So... I think I could see it. I think it would work,
0: yeah, i I like what you say about uh, Jurassic Express kind of fizzled out during the pandemic era. Their whole gimmick was how over they were with the fans. and with no fans, you know it really it really came down to the wrestling, you know, over these last what what did Excalibur say sixty weeks that they've been at Daly's place. And when it all comes down to the wrestling, the cream rises to the top, and that is Jungle Boy. And I think we're seeing it. I don't want them to break up, especially since we're going back to fans and, and going on the road and, and town to town and all that stuff. But I think you start, you start thinking about an exit plan because Jungle Boy is a star. He will be a star, but you know, the gimmick with the dinosaur, boy and his dinosaur, that's not championship material, if you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And, uh, when, um, you're picking up ladies like, uh, Jungle Boy is now, you got to drop that, that gimmick pretty quick.
0: Do we, do we talk about this? We, let's talk about it really quick. You know, ladies... The ladies, they 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 don't mind the dinosaur at first, but uh, eventually they they don't want it around anymore. You know, he's gonna have to make a choice. And I mean, if I were in his position, which I I do wish sometimes, especially now. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's just all right and talk about it just before we get into his matchup here. I mean, Jungle Boy pulled a ten here. He's, he snatched up he pulled Anna a 99. A 99. He pulled a that's 99. True. That's true. Anna Jay and Jungle Boy officially an item.
1: Now, we saw a photo. Is it confirmed? Is it confirmed? Did I they mean, just do this for... Make some noise?
0: I mean, that's 200 IQ, I guess. Yeah.
1: So, basically, Jungle Boy Dark Order?
0: Confirmed.
1: All right. I like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We go to Shivani in the ring. He's going to interview the men of the year. Ethan Page basically coming out and talking about this coffin match. They're interrupted by Sting. Sting, there gestures to the big screen. There's a video, a Darby-esque video. Darby's setting this coffin on fire and stuff like that. Sting pulls the sheet off. There's the coffin. Out jumps Darby. Full on attack. Now, the interesting thing about this attack is that they they made a really poignant, like, point to show Darby gouging the eyes out of Ethan Page here. um, And, you know, Ethan grabbing the mic after the refs kind of get Darby off of him and calling this coffin match off, which was supposed to happen, you know, next week uh, at Road Rager. But he puts in this little situation, this, this little stipulation that if if they can go a week without Darby or Sting attacking them, then maybe they can do the match at Fighter Fest, which makes me think that this tag team match, this tag team title match that we now know is going to happen next week in Miami, if this was kind of a last minute decision and then them deciding that maybe the casket match is better suited for something even more special like a fighter fest. So let's write this little storyline in which bumps it back a week. That way, you know, the big matches are spread out over the summer a little bit more. I wonder if that was the thinking or if this was the plan all along. It seems awkward though.
1: Yeah, it does. And usually when these types of things happen, there's maybe some circumstance that was just unavoidable you know maybe a death in a family and someone has to be away or maybe it's a bit of a a nagging injury that you know they want to deal with so they can put on a a good good show so yeah it does seem kind of weird and i feel like this is um you know definitely uh on on purpose for, for me, though, the, the really weird part about this segment was the heat that Ethan Page was getting, and it didn't seem like he'll eat it. It really felt like Roman the crowd Roman's does heat. not. Yeah, like they do not like Ethan Page, like they don't like what he's doing in the company or how he's performing or whatnot. Um, I mean, that's just my opinion. I would like to know how you, how you felt when you saw that segment.
0: Well, I I agree with you. I, I do think that it is a different kind of heat. It's kind of that bad heat, that Roman Reigns type heat. I get it though. We we've said very similar things on the show here. Ethan page and Scorpio sky aren't working. Like I don't get it. AEW booking buried them with this whole Sting Darby feud, you know? And, and I'm not surprised that the fans aren't taking to Ethan Page right now. I don't think, personally, I don't think Ethan Page is doing anything wrong. I think this is purely side effect of the booking. That's my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I think uh, I think you're right, because I, re- I really like e- Ethan Page. I think he has... Huge potential. He's paid his dues. He's made it here. I don't know why they put him in a tag team. Like he's done the tag team thing. He should have went solo for a while. But um, I don't know. We don't own a wrestling company, so
0: yeah. <laughs> who who yet. are we to say? Yeah. Yet yet. yet, yet. <laughs> <laughs> this moves us into our next matchup: uh, Jack Evans versus Jungle Boy. Uh, they make a point to to point out that Jungle Boy could be the first AEW wrestler to get to fifty wins, which is a, a big milestone. I think we've seen, um, I think it was Kazarian was the first one to twenty wins, and now Jungle Boy has uh, kind of leapfrogged him in, in the race to fifty. This was a uh, this was a fun match. Another another great matchup on the card here. It. This was a filler match. There really was no story progression to go on here other than the fact that Jack Evans represents the Hardy uh, family office, you know, and Jungle Boy kind of just represents the entity of baby faces throughout the company and his association with Christian Cage. But other than that, this match is just two amazing athletes putting on a show. And that's exactly what they did. Not a, not as long of match as as maybe you would want to athletic guys like this to go, but very entertaining. Jungle Boy getting the win with the snare trap. What'd you think of this one?
1: I, I was a bit surprised. I didn't feel like this one was kind of the high flyer you would expect it to be. Like this was really more of a wrestling match. They made a, a point of talking about how Jack Evans has put on some some muscle, some mass, and. um you know, maybe he's kind of changing his style or whatever. Um, but yeah, like it, it was a it was a good match, and on top of being a filler, I think it's one of those that that usually that one match we have that's really more about the end. Right. And um, but yeah, really good, solid match by both these guys.
0: So Jungle Boy does get the win uh, using his submission, the snare trap has become the first wrestler to get to 50 wins so not only is he pulling in 99s but he's also the the winning the winningest wrestler in aew history right now so so congratulations to jungle boy once again after the match this was awkwardly shot I feel not productions so I'm sure this is exactly what the director was going for but it did look awkward it was kind of a side shot. You see the Hardy family office coming out. Jungle Boy is caught acknowledging that they're there, but then he turns around to act like I don't know what's going on. You know, it was just it was just poorly shot. You could probably blame that on Jungle Boy, but I'd, I'd, I'd I mean, I gotta point it out. It, this was a mistake. But Hardy family office coming out. They they're about to get into the ring. Marco stunt. Uh, Christian, they all, Jurassic Express, they all come out for the save, uh, smoke clears and it ends up, it's just Christian and and Matt Hardy in the ring and they have a little tuffle and I mean, JR just screaming TLC at the top of his lungs won't be the first time he mentions WWE tonight, but would you (laughs) think of the scuffle at the end?
1: I mean, I like that this ended up to, to be Christian and Matt Hardy at the end uh, with nobody else around. I, I think that having this match with no story, at least getting the end that is some story and that starts you know getting uh, further on um, was uh, was really great. So um, I, I'm getting more and more excited about Christian Hardy at this point.
0: They're they're building it slow, but they're building it right. They're they're really creating a lot of animosity between the two, and uh, creating a lot of anticipation for this matchup because they know the fans want it, and we know that they know we want it. <laughs> so they're really right. they're really dangling the carrot here.
1: I know they know. I know they know. <laughs> they know we know. However that know goes, we know. yeah.
0: We go backstage with MJF. Uh, He's cutting a promo on Jericho. And I mean, we talked about this a little bit, how it was kind of confusing that we knew this matchup with Sammy was coming up, but MJF could not keep Jericho's name out of his mouth. And here we're seeing it again as he cuts another promo and it's specifically targeted towards Chris Jericho. And, you know, as the night goes on, we're going to learn we learn that they're going to come face to face in Miami to decide on a stipulation that Chris Jericho will have to meet in order to get this matchup against MJF. And I just really feel bad about Sammy in all this because this is a big match. This is a match that they've inadvertently built since the new year between MJF and Sammy, but we didn't get a proper build for it. I just don't get why MJF in this moment is so concentrated on Jericho. I think that's a mistake.
1: Yeah. Especially when the match with Sammy is tonight, and then you can continue your promos on Jericho, you know, after the fact, but yeah, you're right. Like, a. This whole promo, majority of it was uh, about Chris Jericho. He's, uh, you know, basically saying that you know you're a joke. You you think you're all good, but uh, you're really not. And and then we get these these stipulations. And I'd like to know what you think about this. But I feel like this is another another example of how AEW's repeating themselves. Because if we rewind back to MJF Cody, there was stipulations for him having that match. So why are we doing it over again? Somebody's got to think of something different here.
0: Yeah. I, if they do it differently, okay. But it is kind of worrying to, to hear these words coming from MJF. Because, yeah, it is very similar to to what we saw, you know, 2019 and and the Cody thing. I don't think I don't think Jericho's going to take a thin belt strap to the back 10 times. I don't think that's happening.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't think it's likely,
0: especially on the night that we're getting a Cody versus QT Marshall strap mash. <laughs> <Like>, right. <laughs> now we're really repeating ourselves. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, we'll have to see what happens next week in Miami, uh we go backstage with uh, Andrande and Alex Abrihentes. <laughs> just before we started recording, we, you kind of had something to say say about this segment, uh, so I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. Just so maybe I don't accidentally bury myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> what what are your opinions on the on the backstage promo from Andrande?
1: I mean, you know, we, we talked up his interview with JR. We thought it was really good. And, you know, even though it was kind of a combination of English and Spanish, like it still came off really, really well. And he did something similar here, but what I didn't like is that his voice sounded so robotic. Like it would have been better if he just did the whole thing in Spanish. Right. You know, so like, I don't know if that's trying to use up a certain amount of time or being really careful about what he's having to say. Like this was a recorded segment. They could have did it 50 times, but I, I don't know. I think if we go back and listen to this, it sounds very robotic. It, it, it almost, um, like it really sounds like he doesn't, even understand what it is he's saying he's just right. he's memorized the sounds and he's just kind of mimicking them out so um yeah that kind of ruined it for me i'm i'm excited about the Day thing and then and then this happens maybe it's just alex being there with that goofy jacket
0: it might be alex i mean we've talked about alex being a little too enthusiastic when he was working with penta you know, a couple months ago, maybe it is Alex. But if Alex is going to be there, then use him more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let, let do him the straight do Spanish. The yeah. Let, yeah. Yeah. Let him do the do the translations like he was with with Pente. It works. Um. I I, I agree with you. I think I think Andrande is just not quite confident in his English yet. It's obviously it's obvious he's working on it. He just needs the reps. And then that personality that you see or that you hear when he does speak Spanish, that'll just come out naturally. We we're seeing the progression with with Hikaru Shida, you know, it just it takes time. So WWE never gave him a chance to talk. And we this is confirmed by Charlotte on Twitter. Or in, in some of her interviews, she's very excited for Andrade to be in AEW because they will give him the chance to to learn English and, and practice it on camera, and that's really all he needs. So, yeah, it was it was a step back a little bit, but got to give him the benefit of the doubt at the same time. What I loved about this segment is that he just absolutely disrespects Matt Sydal. And I think, I think what maybe didn't work is that he was calling him Matt something the whole time, and then he asks, like, what's his last name? Seidel, whatever, Matt something, and then he goes on it again. If they would have took that line first, like, who was that guy that interrupted me last week? Oh, it was Matt Seidel. Oh, Matt something, whatever your name is, you know, and then it kind of flows a little bit more. But I absolutely love that he's just disrespecting his name, Matt something. We'll, we'll, finish yeah, that's, this. uh, I like that. That's
1: Jericho 101 right there, right? Yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what we get out of this, Andrande will be taking on Matt something in Miami next week uh, on Road Rager, Andrande's in ring debut. Looking forward to it. We've talked about how amazing of a wrestler Andrade El Idolo is. Can you tell I've been practicing that for three weeks now? It's,
1: You've been uh, killing it every week, man.
0: <laughs> it. I mean, I'm I'm going to be talking better Spanish than, than Andrade will speak English pretty soon. No, that's not true at all, but... <laughs> I'm super excited for Andrade's in-ring debut. I think he's going to kill it. And what a great opponent for him to have. Someone, a veteran in the ring. Someone he's probably faced before, you know, on live live show loops throughout uh, their careers in WWE. Actually, no, I guess Matt was probably not around by the time Andrade came in. So I take that back.
1: But I, I think Matt being a smaller guy is going to work in favor of Andrade. I think it's going to make him look strong. He's obviously not losing this match because... That would absolutely I mean, kill. <laughs> yeah, if he loses, he might as well just back up his locker and, and leave because it's <laughs> over.
0: <laughs> That's it. Back to Mexico. Yeah. From there, we go we go into the ring once again with Shivani as he brings out the AEW champion, Kenny Omega. And Kenny Omega introduces his new look. He's got the the, you know, the four, three piece suit on and the, the triple H mutton chops. (laughs) I mean, if he wasn't wearing the suit, it would have been, it would have been good. You know, it, it ties into what the, what the young bucks were doing, but for some reason, because he had that suit and those sunglasses, I mean, it just screamed triple H in the middle of the evolution era. And he's carrying the championship. I was like, wow. So is this what they're doing? Is this another one of their just subtle slap in the faces to WWE? Either way, I freaking absolutely love it. Kenny looks like a million bucks.
1: Yeah, yeah. he's uh To, to me, he's got the, what would you say, uh, early 90s James Hetfield yep. kind of look going on. Yeah. Um, it looks badass. I, I think out of the three of them, I think Kenny's rocking the the heel facial hair the best.
0: Really? I know. I like Nick's, but I'm a I'm a handlebar kind of guy.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. That's a that's a thick handlebar. <laughs>
0: yeah. When he was growing his beard, it didn't look that thick. But I don't know, maybe he JFM'd it. Before, you know, after they after they shaved or something, but that look that's a meaty stash, Nick's <laughs> got. I like it.
1: A little bit weird that uh, Kenny's out you know, baby faced on Impact the day before that comes out Yeah. Totally uh gimmicked out here.
0: It it just goes to show how how much of Impact is pre recorded. You know, that match that we see Thursday night. That had to have been, I mean, at least a month for how thick Kenny's beard came in. You know what I mean? Like, holy smokes. Crazy. All right, let's talk about what Kenny had to talk about in the ring here as he basically just announces, I've beaten everybody AEW has to offer. There's really no number one challengers uh, or number one contenders left for me here. So I'm going to be taking some time off you know i have well other deserved. belts i have o- other belts to defend well deserved yes that's right but he's interrupted by none other than the dark order and in the moment i have to admit this surprised me i'm like really dark order's coming out this is bold this is something new for them they've never really taken charge you know you know since since they became what they became, right? Um, but it, it's, it's very quickly into Evil Uno's kind of little soliloquy here, if that's what you want to call it. I'm like, oh, yeah, ding, the light bulb goes off. Never says the name. The name never comes out from either Evil Uno or Kenny. They keep just referring to if I th- think you're talking about who I think you're talking about kind of kind of thing. But, I mean, obviously, they're talking about Hangman Adam Page. I love this segment. I think this – we expected that Hangman would eventually re-challenge Kenny, you know, going back to the breakup of the tag team and all that, the Eliminator match just before Kenny wins. You know, like, it was all going to come full circle, and here it is back in. Do you feel like it's too soon? Do you think this is going to happen right away, even though they're kind of bringing it out now? Or do you think they'll bring this out now, but, you know, it's still ways into the future?
1: Yeah, I, well, I have to say that I was uh, I was fooled by this as well. And um, the, the the fans caught on really quick because they started chanting Hangman. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. I really don't want them to, to go through with this because I think I think Hangman should be the next champion. I, I think that's what the fans want. And I, I think it, it's nice to go from heel to to face. Um, and if you're going to get a face to do it, then I think Hangman's going to be the, the right guy to do it. But, I mean, we need to do this collector gimmick Cause that's what I want to see first. So if they're going to do this, I want it down the road. Um, and it needs to be a pay-per-view for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. The only thing that concerns me is, so Kenny's got these four belts. There's really no future in sight of him getting a fifth belt. And you know all out is in a couple of months and then a couple months after that is full gear all of a sudden Kenny's had the AEW championship for you know 365 days not saying that's a bad thing i mean it would be it would be interesting to see a champion hang on to the belt for you know 400 500 days like like uh, we used to see back in the 80s you know we haven't really seen since CM Punk like a full-time character hold the belt. I think Brock Lesnar had the belt for like 500 days or something like that. But I don't know. It's just Kenny's been talking about his body starting to to hurt. You know, he's been working these three different promotions. Injuries are starting to catch up to him. Is this the exit plan? That's the only thing that concerns me. I want to see this happen down the road too, but I can't help. There's something... There's something inside telling me that this might all go down at all out, and it's gonna kind of cut this collector gimmick short. Kenny win, lose, or draw at all? Like for this AEW thing, if he hangs on to it or, or drops it to Hangman, I think either way, Kenny's dropping the AAA belt to Andrade at Triple Mania. Okay, I, I just if Kenny had to choose, kind of which one to get rid of, I think that's his choice
1: yeah I, I wonder if maybe there there was a plan for this collector gimmick and it's just not panning out like we're just not either opening up fast enough or maybe other promotions just aren't able to get on board um, so then in that case I could see it definitely happening and yeah if uh you know if Kenny's getting burnt out then you know why? Why do that to one of your biggest stars? Does it make sense?
0: Right, for sure. I agree. Well, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting summer. I th- I think a, a Hangman Kenny feud w- will be great. The match will be even better. But yeah, I, I feel like it's happening too soon. It, it's worrying me.
1: <laughs> I mean, we could have a Hangman loss. It could be a dirty one, you know, those mustached young bucks could and then, and then we could have, you know, uh, a Hangman Omega 3 match, you know. They do they do that in UFC all the time. All right. Why not in wrestling?
0: Yeah. Shout out to McGregor Poirier 3 coming up. I think that's on the 10th.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm interested in that one.
0: Uh, from there, we go into the next matchup of the night. The TNT Championship is on the line as Miro officially has a new gimmick. We kind of suspected this. Last week, his little promo that he cuts on Brian Pillman Jr. He's talking about God and and all this, you know, praying for for the souls of of his enemies and all this stuff. Miro the Redeemer is is, is official; he's here and uh, new music and all. What well, what are your thoughts on on Miro's kind of change of pace? I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week, but now we know what now we know what's going on
1: yeah gimmick good interest music not so good
0: not so good (laughs) a lot of people are like i i i i agree with you i think the it was a weird change of pace for him um i mean it fits with the it fits with the gimmick i suppose but yeah not not mikey Ruckus' best work
1: no (laughs) not at all
0: (laughs) Uh, so, Miro, the Redeemer, taking on Brian Pillman Jr. for the TNT Championship. Before the match, Brian Pillman cuts a quick promo about, uh, you know, standing up to the bully. Uh, really heartfelt, really personal uh, feeling promo from Brian Pillman here. Um, ends it off with, uh, I'm going to show everyone that you're you're a big Bulgarian bitch. I, I, I like this out of Pillman. We don't get the. We've been hearing him talk a little bit more, you know, on Dark and Elevation. Uh, but this is good to see him on TNT TSN getting getting his words out um this kid is is i mean i called it as soon as we saw him for the first time like he was going to be a star he's really he's really starting to feel comfortable
1: yeah for sure uh, I, I that's how i would have explained this one it it seemed a bit by the book at the very beginning, but then he started, you could tell he started to really feel it and got comfortable. And then he ended it with that, that exclamation mark and um, really good promo out of uh Pillman here.
0: When we were looking for last week, when we were looking forward to this matchup, I kind of mentioned how they need to keep, they need to make Brian Pillman look good. He needs, some offense. This can't be an absolute squash match on one of your young stars. Of course, Miro was going to win, but don't bury the kid just as he's starting to get hot. Right. And when you watch this match back, you could have sworn we were in, in the booking room. Uh, you could have swore that we were the agents on this match, putting it together for the guys, working with the guys, putting the match together. This was Perfectly executed by everybody involved. Pillman looked great in this match. He started off Miro absolutely dominating him. We go into the commercial break, picture in picture. As soon as we come out of that picture in picture, Pillman goes on the offense. He basically controls the match for the next two or three minutes. And it's kind of a a missed opportunity, a counter into the you know the big super kick. Leads right into the game over. One, two, th- or, uh, Brian Pillman actually passes out here. Um, I mean, I think they, they absolutely nailed it. They did this match perfectly. Both guys coming out looking great.
1: Yeah, it, you couldn't have done it any better than this uh, because I think both guys come out looking good and that's the best kind of wrestling match there is. We get the Miro that we want, who dominates, and we get to see what Pillman can do and see that he can hang with the likes of Miro. And I love the no-tap. That, that's the icing on the cake for me. And uh, you're right, Pillman, along with Jungle Boy, these these are the future of this company and uh, excited to, to watch their journey.
0: I loved Jericho's commentary during this match. You know, Brian Pillman does the springboard drop kick to the outside, uh, something Jericho claims he invented. You know, he, I think he says the comment, like, I haven't seen it done that good since I did it. You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, you know, a lot of callbacks to, uh, like, Pillman Jr. is starting to really use a lot of the movesets and sequences that his dad, Brian Sr., used to do and again jericho commenting on that catching it right away um i think that's awesome i I think it's awesome pillman has such a bright future in aew from there we go backstage uh with marvez and and he's trying to get a word in with dark order before he can even ask the question hangman comes busting into the lair and uh basically tries to chew out the dark order here for, you know, going over his head, essentially, which I thought this was a really interesting way to do this because this is exactly what Kenny mentions during his rebuttal to evil Luno. If you're talking about who I think you're talking about, he would not take too lightly to you guys coming out here without his approval. Sure enough, Hangman gives us that satisfaction and kind of confirmed that Dark Order not phased by being yelled at by their, you know, by their buddy here. And they just go full face here. They go full baby face, you know, and they're like, we believe in you, Adam, you know, you will be the next champion and silver of all of all people. Are not silver sorry reynolds of all people getting the last word in and and kind of having that one-on-one moment with hangman hangman left left thinking about it like holy shit like these guys are are kind of really on my side here
1: for me this really completes the the change of dark order i i think this is the the new plan for dark order it's it's not to be kind of what i think the original plan was for dark order and um I, we I, we've had many conversations about is hangman gonna be in or not I, I i truly believe now that hangman could be a part of this dark order because of how they've kind of transitioned into this kind of just fun group they're not about you know building a cult and they're they're not dark at all right <laughs> really Um, so yeah, this was a a really heartfelt segment and, um, I think we're going to see this play out for, uh, for a little while on, you know, this decision on whether he's going to take on Kenny.
0: I, what this, what this segment really does for me is it solidifies my prediction that as soon as hangman gives in and officially joins dark order is when 99 comes back and <laughs> kicks him out, <laughs> you know, and retakes control of the dark order. And I really think Anna J is going to bring them kind of back to the dark side. I think that's going to be the turn.
1: Yeah. I, I totally hope so.
0: They can still slow burn that for a couple more months, at least till after all out.
1: Yeah. How much time would she have left? She, Cause she was supposed to be out for nine months, right?
0: Right, and when's the last time we've seen her? January, February, I think. Yeah, so yeah, she's due for around September. Either way, it's gonna be good. Interesting, it's gonna be good. Uh, we check in backstage with Team Taz. Finally, something different from these guys. Uh, Team Taz basically just announcing that he, I guess, he's acknowledging that there is tension within Team Taz sometimes. Teammates, family members, they need to, you know, get their, get their differences out. So he announces that in Austin, Texas, July 14th. So the dynamite after next Ricky Starks will challenge Brian Cage for the FTW Fugazi championship. I mean, it's team task stuff. I'm not really invested in it, but at least they're finally doing something. And I got, you know, in retrospect, I guess they, they've been building to this moment for so long, but they really were just waiting for Starks' neck to heal. And it's very apparent when team, when Taz basically says the now medically cleared Ricky Starks. I mean, is that an excuse for, for doing the same thing every week for three months? No, but I mean, at least we're going somewhere now. Yeah. You
1: know, based on podcasts that I've heard Taz on, I, I feel like he's probably one of those guys who this is his vision and, and it has to happen. Like he wouldn't want to have deviated from this story just because an injury happened, even though a lot of stories, you know, change and evolve because of, you know, certain things that happen. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that here in a minute. So I'm sure it was him that was uh really passionate about finishing off this and why you know it's been going for so long. Um, I didn't realize that the Stark's injury was a legit thing. I thought that was, you know, just heel, heel work there with the neck brace and and whatnot. But um, I don't know. I what, what do you think of this match? Like I. I just don't know that these guys are going to work well together.
0: I don't think they're going to work well together either. I think what'll save this match is if at some point Brian Cage just throws his arms up and just gives him and he just walks away because to me if I'm Brian Cage it's not worth the FTW championship. It's not worth saving Team Taz He has to know, or he has to have the mentality that he is better than them. And, you know, I I can only foresee that Team Taz is going to be out there. Powerhouse Hobbs is going to be out there. Hook's going to be out there. Taz is going to be on commentary. And there's just going to be, like, some kind of moment. I don't know if Hook is going to, like, come up on the apron or Hobbs is going to come up on the apron. Cage is going to kind of look around and be like, Like what am like what is this for? Like why am I even here? And just gets counted out and walks away. And then we're just left with Taz like, you son of a bitch, you know, get back here. And you know how Taz can be, right?
1: Right, right.
0: Maybe maybe that continues the feud on. Ricky Starks is now the FTW champion. Nobody gives a shit. It's Fugazi, right? Right. So, I don't know. I think that's the only thing that'll save this. Otherwise, I think it's going to be an absolutely trash match.
1: Yeah, I guess we'll see.
0: We'll see. We'll see. Two weeks away. This brings us up to the next matchup of the night. It is Vicky Guerrero's in-ring debut for AEW as she tags with Nyla Rose taking on AEW Women's Champion Britt Baker and Reba, not Rebel, Rebel, not Reba, whatever her friggin' name is. Um, Before the match even starts, Britt just absolutely cold clocks Vicky, which I thought was... You know, it, it, this is a weird situation because Britt is a heel. Vicky and Nyla... They're, they're kind of more anti-faces more than anything, but they're still heels. Like, I don't think there's a lot of people cheering on Vicky and, and Nyla, you know what I mean? So it, it it's kind of funny that Britt kind of does something so heelish here, but I think it works to kind of get the crowd on Vicky and Nyla's side a little bit. Kind of just one of those subtle little things that you don't really notice while you're watching wrestling casually.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I, and I think, I mean, I'll even admit to myself, I I had a little bit of doubt how this match was going to go, especially when you have, you know, these kind of, I'm sure Vicky's had a little bit of wrestling training, but I mean, she's not, she's never been a full-time wrestler. So I'm sure people may have thought that, you know, Vicky was never, ever going to get in this match. And that was totally changed by this uh, punch that she takes. And it's like, hmm, okay, well, this this might not be what I expect. So I like that they started off this way. It really got me more into the match than I, I probably would have been.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, this match totally ends up being what, again, much like the Pillman Miro match. This ends up kind of being what I was expecting. It was a lot of Nyla Rose and a lot of Reba. And we definitely got that moment where Reba goes to tag in Brit And Britt just kind of leaves her out to dry. And no, you, you take on nyla for a little bit while i i i'm not ready yet kind of thing so that was really cool i I think reba does a really good job here i don't know if i'm saying that in retrospect to what actually happened later on in the match but i really do think that she she played that role really well she had control of vicky for a little while you know after some dastardly things she what did have the upper hand on nyla for a little while so i think reba does come out looking really good here Eventually, Britt tags herself in. They have a little bit of moment. Vicky and Nyla kind of get the upper hand. There's a pinning situation, and Reba comes sprinting across the ring to break up the tag. And, I mean, we had to watch this one back a couple times. I think it's just her plant leg kind of just jams up as she goes into into the, uh, you know, to break up the pin. And, you know, for a shoot they're reporting that she dislocated her kneecap and it's evident right away as she completely crumbles to the ground. You could tell there was supposed to be a spot with Nyla, you know, getting some revenge for, for Reba breaking up the pin there. And you see a conversation. Reba looks really worried and she's like, you can't like, we got to change something. I can't, my knee's gone, you know? And it's, it's actually a really scary moment. Nyla kind of just, shovels her closer to the rope so so she can kinda crawl out of the way and then the match continues. I think Vicky, Nyla, and Britt did a really good job from distracting the T at least the T V crowd away from Reba, even though a lot of camera shots you kind of see her legs kind of just hanging in the corner corner of the T V screen there. But I thought they did a really good job keeping the match going, even though plans I'm sure changed drastically in that moment, I think they did a really good job.
1: Yeah, it's just really unfortunate, and it's really hard to see where this this actually happens. And I'm wondering if maybe she had hurt her knee earlier on in the match, but felt it was like still good to to keep going. Because at one point there, you had mentioned uh, I think she's like touching her knee at this point, and she was. She was tagged out at this point. She was outside of the ring. uh, But maybe felt good enough to keep going. And then, you know, that run-in with the kind of dive, then that just, you know, just really blew it out. Really unfortunate because I think up to this point, Reba was kind of the star of this whole match. Even though, you know, she took a a bit of a licking from Nyla, I thought she was working really well with, with Vicky here. So you just got to feel bad for them you know you can see a little bit of the inexperience here like they didn't know i mean they did an awesome job of keeping it going but uh the inexperience in showing the emotion of you know kind of caring for the situation i think like Nyla's face changed right uh Britt Baker at the end of the match looked very, very concerned. So they didn't keep that part going. Right. But um, but good to just like not stop and, you know, make it look ridiculous, yeah, uh, especially sure. it being live. So yeah, really good job.
0: So yeah, tough break for for Reba there. It, it's an unfortunate injury. Britt Baker does get the win here as she knocks Nyla off the top rope and then uh, proceeds to lock in the lock jaw on Vicky. Vicky taps out immediately. After the match, Nyla, you know, coming in attacking Britt Baker here. Uh, I'm assuming this was always part of the plan as Nyla had brought out a table, you know, midway through the match just before we went to commercial break. Uh, But I think this just, you know, kind of solidifies what I was saying earlier about how they really did a good job of distracting everybody away from what was happening, you know, ringside with Reba. But, I mean, Nyla, big powerbomb on Britt in the middle of the ring and then rolling her out and just the absolute monster powerbomb off the apron through the table, immediately reminded of the 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 street fight the hardcore match with thunder rosa i'm I'm, st- I'm still convinced it's match of the year for me it still has my vote up to this point uh 6 months later but this mat this this spot just like Britt is the freaking best in the women's division right now nobody can touch her she wants to take these spots she wants the fans to know She's not just another diva. She's not just another women's wrestler. She's here to make women's wrestling matter. And she's doing a freaking fantastic job taking these bumps.
1: Yeah, like I have to admit at the beginning here, I wasn't the biggest Brit fan. But in in this past year, she has skyrocketed in my books. She's putting in the effort. She's getting better in every aspect of the game. And to take these spots, which we don't see very often. Let's not say that she's the only woman that takes chances, because that's not true. But she's now doing it almost every single match that she does. And um, just total respect from, from my side here.
0: I wonder what uh, Adam Cole thinks of bright- taking these spots.
1: Yeah, he's uh sitting on the couch at home, just you know, under the covers he can't watch. It's probably <laughs> probably what it is. <laughs> but uh hey, we should uh, talk a little bit here. Um if Reba's uh, on the shelf here, does this change anything for Brit?
0: Well, she doesn't have that that scapegoat anymore. But I didn't I don't think Brit needs Reba anymore you know no offense to Reba but Britt has established herself as a heel we saw glimpses of it at the start of her heel turn last year you know with the the stuff with Shivani and stuff like that I think with her confidence and and the reps that she gained over this last year we could go back to to that and Tony Shivani could kind of go back to being the sidekick while Reba recovers it's. I don't think it's gonna hurt Brett at all.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. Um, I'm wondering if they do give her s- somebody else, and you know, just quick off the top of my head, I, I think it might be cool if they actually gave her a guy. Yep, Peter Avalon comes to my my mind very beginning,
0: kind of like a Tenniel Dashwood, Caleb with the K type situation. Yeah, 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 I, I like yeah, that. for
1: sure. But you're right; she doesn't need it. She doesn't need it. They shouldn't do it.
0: Think about this one for a second. Reba spent most of the last year ironically in a fake cast with crutches. I mean, you could totally bring that back once her once her knee gets set and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, but it is kind of <sighs> ironic that she had kind of a I'm assuming it was a kayfabe injury cuz those she barely used those crutches, right? You know what I mean? And then Right. and then she actually does hurt that leg. It's just kind of ironic.
1: Yeah, unless it was something minor and sort of preventative and, you know, really didn't kind of hurt her. And then she really did it in now, but. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's, uh, that really sucks. Uh, No one's going to want to do that gimmick anymore, right? Like, yeah, I'm not wearing the fake neck brace. Yeah. Because that just means it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, from there we go backstage a uh, pre-recorded promo here from Hager Santina and Or Sant Santina Santino Morello <laughs> <laughs> Santana and Ortiz. Uh, they're building up the Road Rager six-man trios match that are it's going up against Wardlow and FTR. This is really just them hyping up the match but announcing that Conan will be in their corner. Is Conan unofficially a part of Inner Circle now? What, where do you think Conan sits? Is he kind of, is he just part of Proud and Powerful for the sake of you know counteracting Tully, or are we gonna see Conan at some point get get presented with a cut, you know, and and join Inner Circle for 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 real?
1: Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's part of Inner Circle. I mean, he's been in quite a few of their segments, actually. Um, I'm thinking back to the the whole Las Vegas bit there. So I think I would consider him a part of it. I think that would be cool uh, to have him in there. And um, if it's anything like we saw last week, it's going to be gold.
0: The internet just absolutely gassing up Conan for that promo last week. I mean, we have gassed him up too. It was a really good promo, but I I almost feel like we kind of short short-shotted him there a little bit. Like people are really liking that promo from him.
1: Okay. Um yeah, I mean, I I didn't mean to downplay it. he like I saw it more as a as a him against Tully and I, I, he definitely won. I mean, it was good, but is it pipe bomb good? No, I don't think so. No, nah. <laughs> is it Cody good? No, nah. no, no. Didn't make me cry.
0: Didn't make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> From there, we get we we gonna go through all the um, what we're gonna see next week, and and I said it earlier in the show. July seventh, Road Rager in Miami is gonna be an absolutely off the charts card. I think it's going to be an amazing show. One more match was added here as AEW announces the first ever mixed tag match in AEW. Chris Stantlander and Orange Cassidy taking on the Bunny and the Blade. I think this is going to be a good match. Uh, I'm excited to see how they handle the mixed tag matches. It, it's very well known that WWE doesn't allow you know the intergender Uh, mixing when when a tag is made the other team has to incoming you know come in i I feel like aew with their indie roots and, and stuff like that and a lot of these especially these four working a lot on the indies that we might see a little bit of intergender mixing a little bit i mean if they do it the right way it works we've seen it work in the past yeah, I hope
1: that they do do that because I I think that it's going to be in, empowering for for women and w- women's wrestling. Um, I, I think that wrestling needs to be viewed as a, a sport and should be no different than, you know, women playing on men's hockey teams and and whatnot. But in saying that, I think. They'll have to choose the move sets to make it, uh, something that we're not going to, you know, be impressionable on, on, on the youth. So, you know, things like straight off punches to the face, like that shouldn't happen. Um, but you know, if they're doing some of the, you know, more high flying kind of stuff, like I think that should be, should be good to go. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting.
0: I agree. it It'll be exciting to see. I'm liking this this new feud with with the rest of the best friends basically shelved. You know, Trent having the uh, the next stenosis surgery. I'm I'm assuming Chucky's taking some time off. You know, with with his tag team partner being out. I like that they're throwing Orange Cassidy and Chris Statliner in, into uh, into a feud right away. And who better to feud with than uh, the Bunny and the Blade as Blade's take-team partner is is probably busy right now getting uh, getting the band back on the road and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Road Rager is going to be an absolute... It's
1: going to be a big...
0: of an episode. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk about this main event of the evening. This is like I mentioned earlier in the show, it's been building ever since MJF joined Inner Circle. Um MJF versus Sammy Guevara, huge huge matchup did not disappoint.
1: Man, this one would we would we say this has to be in contention for match of the year? I'm not sure what's going to beat this. Um this you you hyped this up to me cuz we, we didn't get to watch the show together this week, uh, but you hyped this one up. And I'm looking at the clock and going, holy crap, we we're were we going to be a good 30, 30 minutes here with this one. And, I mean, it was nonstop. And, you know, you said that other match had everything. I, like, this match definitely <laughs> had everything. Maybe besides some, uh, I guess there was a chair in there at some point, but, um, I mean, anytime that I can watch a wrestling match and my jaw drops, because I've just seen something I've never saw before, that's going to be a good match.
0: And this one did it twice. There were two yeah. jaw dropping moments. Uh, pretty amazing stuff. These two, I mean, we talked about jungle boy and Pillman being the future of this company. These two are also the future. these, This is kind of going to be, you know, you talk about, you talk about the Attitude Era having kind of two Hulk Hogan's in The Rock and Stone Cold. Just two guys that absolutely transcended the the business. I think there's a possibility 10 years down the road, we're going to be talking about the four-headed monster that was Guevara, Friedman, Pillman, and Perry.
1: It's like those NHL drafts where it's just so deep, eh?
0: Yeah. It, it, it's insane to the AEW is so set for the future. They signed a lot of young talent and they are paying dividends. And this is proof. Let's talk about some of these spots. <laughs> you know, pretty standard wrestling match for the first half. They were chain wrestling. There was a lot of, you know, outside work. A lot of heel work from MJF, you know, dodging attacks, rolling out of the ring, really slow playing it. And then we come out of that commercial break and holy shit, did they drop the hammer. And it all started off with this spot as MJF kind of gets slung over the barricade into the crowd as he went to go get that chair. Sammy does a baseball slide kind of thing. He goes over the barricade And all of a sudden, Sammy's climbing the top rope, and there's no way. There's no way this is happening, right? Something's going to distract him, and then all of a sudden, he jumps off that top rope and just cannonballs into MJF in the crowd. Unbelievable spot. Never seen that before.
1: I thought it was weird that MJF went over the barricade. Yes. Uh, Especially how it happened, because... Usually when this happens, you know it's he gets kind of thrown over, and, and the guys on the outside. But Sammy's held on to the ropes like he's in the ring here, and, and this is just just weird to me. And then Sammy did this really well because he's eyeing up the ropes. He's you know in the and I'm and I'm begging him no at this point like don't do it. And yeah, you, you said it right. This was like a I I. I A cannonball. Like, I mean, MGF had no chance of really catching him or absorbing a lot of his momentum. And he hit that cement floor. And you could see that (laughs) it hurt him. And he had a big welt at the end of the match. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't think there's many in Vanilla Brand that are doing the spot or would be allowed to.
0: It's just wild that like Sammy needed so much momentum to clear the barricade that, yeah, there was just no chance that they could ever create a soft landing for this. Just absolutely wild.
1: This is such a high chance of mistake here. You know, he could have been short. He could have hit the rail by accident.
0: Could have plowed into the fans. The fans weren't very far away unless those were planted fans. They didn't look like planted fans. They looked like everyday AEW fans in the corner there.
1: Right, right.
0: Think of it this way: this this is nothing like when Ethan Page throws Darby Allen into the crowd because they were all wrestlers on that side. You know what I mean? Like these were real people. I mean, they looked like normal AEW fans. There was a lot. The yeah. lot. A big risk. Big risk.
1: Yeah, but but. Big risk, but big reward. And I think that's what Sammy was going for. And I mean, his stock just rises. You, you, even if you hate Sammy Guevara as a character, like you have to give him props for his wrestling. Oh, for sure. Especially with this
0: one. Yeah, for sure. Uh The action doesn't stop as MJF pulls out a tombstone piledriver from the second rope and absolutely spikes Sammy Guevara here. I think Sammy sold this really well. He kind of, as they follow through, he kind of half sits up. And, I mean, he's the one who got tombstoned, but he's the one making the, the Undertaker face here. It it, it, was, <laughs> it was absolutely crazy. MJF kind of selling the knee after this, rightfully so. I mean, the guy's jumping, you know, four feet down onto his knees with an extra, you know, 200-pound strapped to him. But, I mean, it... it <sighs> I've watched the spot twice now and I've watched the end of this match twice. There's a moment where he rolls into the corner and he rolls down one of his knee pads and there's another knee pad there. I'm still on the fence. Is this, a, is this a legit kind of incident or is he just the greatest seller of all time? Cause he sold this rate right until fade to black.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was nothing like uh, what Reba went through because he was still standing at the end of the match here but um, this is
0: what makes me think it's it's a shoot though is because it looks like they're having conversations it looks like they're rewriting the ending in the ring that's what makes it look so so real but he does continue the match he does there are a little bit moments that he's putting weight on it i'm i'm so yeah. confused i want to know i i need yeah. i need to the behind the scenes on this one
1: you, i mean maybe you're right maybe he felt something and it's just like, hey, I don't think I'll be able to do this last spot. Like, I, I can't. You know, they tried to. What, what move did he try to do after there? And then he was kind of selling that he couldn't put weight on it. Maybe that was the test. Maybe. I don't know. Are they that smart?
0: In the heat of the moment like that, That that's amazing. If that's what was going on. Sammy hits a 630 senton shortly after this. Absolutely crazy. MJF sitting up. It's not like he was laying flat waiting to take it. This was a little bit different landing for uh, for Sammy. It looked great though.
1: Is this a little bit of a shout out to uh, Ricochet on Ricochet Day?
0: <laughs> I wonder if because uh, that tweet came out pretty early. And I mean, I'm not I'm not insinuating that the 6:30 is Sammy's move, but it is kind of. I mean, maybe Ricochet was the first ever to do it, but to call June 30th Ricochet Day just because you do a 630 splash, I don't know. Kind of arrogant.
1: I like it, though. I like (laughs) it, though.
0: (laughs) But, yeah, maybe this is Sammy's way. I mean, how how is Sammy not going to do a 630 during this match? Let's be real.
1: Yeah, he's really just telling Richard, uh, you know, you're not the only one that can do this.
0: What was his name in Lucha Underground? Puma? Kink? Prince Puma. Get out of
1: here. That's a way better name.
0: <laughs> than Ricochet. Pew. How does his pew. music go? Pew, pew. <laughs> uh, Sean Spears starts making his way out onto the ramp, and Jericho, you know, on commentary this whole time, Jericho has been great all night. He's like, I can't let this happen. I've I got to go take care of things. He starts making his way across the, the stage there in front of the fans, Wardlow attacking Jericho, um a little bit of a miscommunication here. I don't know if Bryce what Bryce was doing in the ring. We don't really get to see it, but Wardlow is screaming at him. Actually, he has to use his name. <laughs> you know, he's ref 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 Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> Just not turning around at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. It it looked bad. It looked awkward. And then Jericho getting thrown off the stage didn't look, uh, didn't look the greatest. It's not like he really took a bump. I think he just tried to take this as safely as he could, but it ended ended up making the spot look a little weak. I feel maybe they should have had something set up there for him to go through. Like if there was a table set up by Sammy, like really early on in the, in the, in the match that there was something there to kind of take the impact off or maybe don't show it at all. Just show him getting thrown, but don't show the landing and then cut to him as he's selling on the ground. I think would have looked a lot better.
1: Yeah. Cause doesn't he fall on like his hands and knees?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that that was kind of weird.
0: And especially after Reba's knees blowing out and MJF with the tombstone, it's not a good day for knees. Like that's not the bump I, I would have chose.
1: Yeah, no, definitely, and, and I mean, after the whole Remsburg thing, it's just kind of like, oh my god, is this is this match possible match of the year falling apart? But it's the Canadian who I think saves this segment or this part of the match when Remsburg finally figures out what the hell he's supposed to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, Spears, great chair shot to the head here. Sammy protects himself. The, the, it, it looked powerful. It looked great. Um, we talked about the chair shot that Sammy took in blood and guts, very similar to this. You know, they they learned their lesson from from the chair shot heard around the world a couple years ago on Cody. I, I like that these chair shots are coming back. I was sick of the on all fours shot to the back. That was the only chair shot we ever saw for literally like 15 years. There's a right way to take chair shots. They did it forever. You know, when you're not named mankind, there is a right way to do it. You know what I mean? So I, I, I like this chair shot. It looked devastating and it leads to the at least the MJF getting the getting the one, two, three here Um, and props to Bryce Remsberg for not looking around like what just happened unless he did. I was probably too busy popping off that chair shot. But
1: yeah, no, he did. He did his thing.
0: He did that, you know, of where
1: bitch. he's looking both ways. And yeah, yeah, he still did.
0: What it. are you doing out here? Bing, bong, bing. He was doing that.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: oh, yeah. Okay. I take, I take my props back, Bryce. You suck. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, what a, what a match. I, I think this has to be in contention for match of the year. And uh, you're right. This is, if this is not showing the future of AEW, like, I don't know what is. It's, uh, we're, we're going to start seeing those torches being passed from, you know, Omega and the Young Bucks, uh, sometime soon. And the future looks bright for AEW.
0: Yeah, really, really does. The show's not over, however, as the commentators kind of reflect on the last 60 weeks. Excalibur was talking about it all night long. 60 weeks at Daly's place, right around 16 months. It, it was dubbed the pandemic era very early on. I, I think even we were calling it that very early on. It's, it was an interesting time in professional wrestling. It was a scary time in professional wrestling. I think AEW absolutely killed it. WWE got on board, you know, and they, they got a hang of things a little bit later than AEW. Um, Got to give props to the Atlanta shows. You know th- those those six weeks uh, of TV that they shot in a couple of days at, at the factory really helped save the momentum that AEW had. And I mean, this video package that they show all the highlights from the past year was absolutely amazing. Cody could have been out there talking. I was I was welling up. It, it, it's 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 a it's a year of professional wrestling i'll never forget
1: yeah i mean it's it's for what it represents and the and the time that everybody was sort of feeling during this you know past year and a half or whatever but i mean it just shows you the sort of strength of wrestling and what it means to people. And, you know, this, this was going to go on in some way or other. It was never going to fold like, uh, you know, unfortunately a lot of other kind of businesses and, you know, people lost their jobs. Uh, the wrestling family came together and they made it work and the fans supported it. And it allows, you know, people like us to sit here and, and talk about it and give our opinions for, for others to hear. and, I think it just shows that through anything, we're always going to have wrestling.
0: Yeah, completely agree. One thing I want to, a question I want to pose to you is that Tony Khan did a very noble thing this past year. He gave a lot of jobs to a lot of independent wrestlers who couldn't work. You know, people moved their entire lives to Jacksonville so they could do dark matches and dark elevation matches and stuff like that. A lot of a lot of people that work were working through this pandemic don't have contracts with AEW. They were on pay-per-appearance type contracts. The likes of Fuego del Sol and, and 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 more. Now that we're going back on the road, I mean, I can't see it feasible for the business to start carrying around this roster of extras. What do you think is going to happen to, you know, the Kylan Kings and the Fuego del Souls and the the Jordan Graces and and all these amazing enhancement talents, great talents, that have been working their butts off for the past year?
1: Well, I I think what's going to come out of this is we're going to get a, a performance center type thing. Um, I, am sure it will probably be the evolution of the, the nightmare factory. And, um, you know, that, that's where those people will go and, you know, maybe it'll be another, another show that happens, possibly the evolution of, uh, of dark of what dark will be or become or whatnot. Or maybe it just gets that nightmare family YouTube channel to start putting out more shows with the likes of those people. But I mean, they can't get rid of these people because this is also the future. Like you mentioned Fuego. He's the first one I thought of, like you got to groom this kid because he's got something people like him and he can work. You got to keep him Kylan King. You got to keep her like, she's a beast. Um, so I, I, I don't think they're going to get dropped. I think they're going to just be repurposed to something else, or at least that's what I'm hoping.
0: Yeah, for sure. Fuego got his own entrance at double or nothing to go sit in the crowd. <laughs> like, like, and he, he still doesn't have a contract and he still doesn't have a contract. It, it's, it's amazing, <laughs> but, uh, no, I I'm hoping that. Tony Khan does think of of something he did such a good job giving these people uh, an outlet to to work to get their names out there on a national a nationwide basis it would it would just suck to all of a sudden you go back on the road it, it's going to be tough to to carry a roster the size that they were i like the idea of yeah so everybody kind of moves to atlanta and they work out of the nightmare factory and then when they need extras, you call four or five of them, six of them up to whatever city they're at. You film a couple dark matches or some segments, and then they head back to Atlanta to keep training. It could work. It might be a little bit costly, but I don't know. It, it, it I, I can't help but feel like Fuego and Kylan, they might be sweating this a little bit. Like, what happens to me now? Now that this pandemic era is kind of officially over
1: yeah and and i mean there's partnerships too you know maybe some of these guys can go to impact now that they've you know a lot of them have gotten themselves over maybe new japan who knows once uh you know travel starts opening up and and things like that so um i (sighs) i I think like we always say that, or we have even said this, uh, episode, the cream rises to the top and I think those guys will be okay. They just possibly might not be at AEW, but hopefully they are.
0: Yeah, for sure. One last little piece that uh, we have to mention as the show was going off the air, JR Excalibur and Shivani were kind of saying their pieces with, you know, Daly's Place and how great Jacksonville's been to AEW over the past 60 weeks. And JR says, go to AEWTIX.com, get your tickets. There's nothing better than seeing a WWE or live WWE Dynamite. And I mean, talk about your jaw hitting the, hitting the floor, Um, I took to Twitter right away. I congratulated AEW on a great show. It was an amazing show. It was an awesome send-off from Daly's place in Jacksonville. And I begged and I pleaded the AEW universe and the wrestling world to take it easy on good old JR. It's not that big of a deal. It was a mistake. He's done it before. He's, he's said things before. He always owns up to it. But there is no need to bash the guy. And what does the internet do? They bash the guy. And it's terrible. And it pisses me off.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is what the internet is, right? It really is. Some of our our listeners here might be saying, hey, you shit on people all the time. And, and I'm not going to say that we don't. I think some of those things are, are bringing light some actual like mistakes that were made, but you know, he obviously didn't mean to, to say that the guy worked for WWE forever. It's muscle memory to say it. And, and let's be real. Like when, when our mother <laughs> talks to me, like she calls me Jeff every single time, like mistakes happen.
0: Mistakes happen. And I mean, when we shit on people, it comes from a satirical background. Do we actually think the Lucha brothers are called the Lunch Brothers? No. Do I really think his name is Jason Corvette? No. Like it's always, I mean, there's true hate to Jason Corvette. Let's not be let's not beat around the bush here. <laughs> that guy's a fossil. But I mean, we're not out there attacking people, you know what I mean? Like blatantly. So I don't know. Uh, Bryce Remsburg? Oh, God, don't get me started on that piece of shit. <laughs> there's making mistakes, and then there's just doing your job wrong. There's a big difference. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's all in good fun. Um, David LaGreca, who is the, a co-host of Busted Open Radio with, with Bully Ray, he absolutely went on a rant on the internet, people, and... His, the, ba- the basic uh, essence of his message is J.R. Is a, is a legend. He is a living legend in the business. What have you people done? What have you done in your lives that gives you the right to personally attack a legend? Get off your high horses and your anonymous avatars and grow the fuck up, which I 100% agree with.
1: And that's our generation, or that's the generation now. It's not our generation, right? Uh, but that's the generation now. It's about saying something that can hopefully get you, you know, ten thousand retweets. So, uh, you know, I I stand behind what that what that guy is saying, but it, it it's almost better to just not even give these people the the fifteen seconds of fame because they they don't know what they're talking about.
0: True, 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 true. With that being said, it is official. The pandemic era is over for WWE Dynamite. I mean AEW Dynamite. That's our show for this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to be subscribed. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Leave us those five-star ratings, and we'll catch you all next week. Peace.